I'm Mike. And I'm Drew. Welcome to Mike and Drew at Mountain View podcast. This is uh, our first um, episode that we're going to publish, right? In theory. It may <laughs> not get published for a little bit. But. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we uh, Drew, talk, talk a little bit about something that came to mind when we discussed what our first podcast should be yeah so i'm on tiktok like all the time probably too much we can talk about that in another podcast um but i got this this tiktok and there's this guy saying all right i'm gonna introduce this idea of quiet quitting and it's this idea that i'm doing way too much at work and i don't care anymore and i'm just gonna you know take a back seat and start doing the bare minimum and if they fire me because of that that's fine i wanted to quit anyway but at least for now i'm gonna keep keep taking in a paycheck and so I thought it would be interesting to discuss because some people are taking it as, oh, laziness, but some people are taking it as like retaking your um, personal life a little bit. And instead of like working to live, you live, or instead of living to work, you work to live. Right. And that that is a very ambiguous term, quiet quitting. You're going to find a lot of disagreement and even defining what it is. And that's 100%. good. It's, I think it's a conversation piece Yeah, because, uh, quiet quitting. I, when, when I look at it in a healthy way, I would say quiet quitting is actually sustainable living because in a, in a good way, you're wanting to say, I'm going to quit doing the extra things that are not necessary and are not required for my life and I'm going to have a healthy work work life balance. Now, that being said, um there's an episode uh that uh, podcast I shared on, on NPR from September where that's discussed all the different definitions of this concept and as believers it's it is a little puzzling because the Bible's not super clear on a phrase like work-life balance or on a phrase like workaholism, mm-hmm. the things that we've become more familiar with and um, I'd even say sensitive to in our generation because we've seen the damaged relationships uh, from overworking and we've seen the fruitlessness that comes from giving your whole life to a company or an industry and they don't really love you back. Yeah, and that's that's something I actually wanted to talk about. So... You know, um, we had a board meeting last night, and someone had kind of made this off comment of, oh, you know, free free market capitalism always works. And you said, well, and you, you gave this exception. It was like, well, unless they start, you know, cutting back on, on the quality of what we're, whatever we're purchasing. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know, free market capitalism does seem to work if they there is these values um, that go with it. So these values of like hard work, integrity. And I think for a long time, America had those values and we still recognize that they're good things, but they're not being the top value in our, um, businesses in our society. And so I think what happens is, you know, we value, um, things like hard work and then our bosses start to exploit that. And so then we're like, okay, hold on. If you're not going to take me seriously, I'm going to start, you know, backing up a little bit. So I was I was thinking about that as I was thinking through all of this. Sure, and exploitation is something that uh, continues to be revealed in all kinds of levels, not just the work conversation, but exploitation is uh, is an important part of this topic because that's what quiet quitting is supposedly supposed. The antithesis sure. of yeah. of this is to say, hey, my my time and my life is worth something. Yes, I have a lot to learn. Yes, I can always grow, and yes, I want to be submissive to the proper authorities, but. 
I, at the same time, will not just be pushed around and used as a, a cog in the wheel and not grow and not also, like you mentioned earlier, this phrase of uh, living to work. I'm not going to live to work. That's mm-hmm. not biblical, and it's not healthy. And for us, uh, something I was reading, uh, an article entitled, I've Reached My Breaking Point as a Pastor, But That Doesn't Have to Mean Broken Relationships with Others, by Peter Chen from February 2nd, 2022. Uh, he pointed out that a New Barna study discovered that 38% of pastors like us have given real serious consideration to quitting the ministry in the past year. And I... I would not put myself in the 38% that has considered quitting, but I would definitely put myself in the category of someone who asks if the ministry I currently have is fulfilling my call from God into ministry. So I don't assume I can just plug into a ministry and camp out and uh, work myself to death. I assume that I am called by God to fulfill a purpose on this planet, and for me, that's in a ministry. And so I'm always going to ask, am I fulfilling my calling? Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to assume that uh, because I have a church, that is the church I must always be at. I have never assumed that, and I've learned that from ministers who've been in ministry for decades and leaders of companies who've worked for decades and said, hey, you need to follow what you're called to do and it's worth quitting a job to raise a healthy family. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something I've always respected about you. This I like you always have held on to your job with an open hand, like ready to give it up if that's what the Lord tells you to do, you know. You're you're ready to go wherever you are called. Um and I'd be really sad if you left, but I would also understand like I I know that you are very aware that this is not um, where you are. Well, right now it's where you're meant to be, but it may not always be the case. And so that's that's just something I've always respected about you. Well, and something, Drew, I appreciate that. Something that you've shared that we both heard at Johnson was we were taught by a lot of our professors, uh, men and women of faith who poured into us this truth uh, that we need to avoid burnout mm-hmm. by... Uh, taking days off, you might call it Sabbath, whatever it is you want to say, uh, you might call it life boundaries, you might call it work-life balance, all very important terms with different teachings that we've learned the hard way, and I personally learned the hard way, and what I've appreciated about uh, you and Hannah both is as you've come into minist- full-time ministry uh, in a way, even though you're, you're part-time with the church, we know there's no such thing as part-time yeah. ministry when you're on staff in reality, uh, you guys are diving into relationships first at the church. And that's huge, because you, you want to learn the job and the tasks and all of this, and, and you're open to that. But what I think is important is that you and I both are listening to the people around us at this church, leadership and congregation. Uh, more important than that, listening to our families and what they see in us and concerns they have or encouragements they have. And ultimately, the most important, I really believe both of us are listening to what God is encouraging us to do, and then we can bring that into these other areas, because I don't have a need for quiet quitting, but I would also tell you, I don't know if I have it in me to quiet quit. <laughs> I don't I, I, I don't know. You know, my wife's the same way. If we were talking about, oh, you know, what happens if you get pregnant? Like, 
I kind of had this thought that, you know, for the last, you know, couple of weeks of her pregnancy, she'll probably just sit around the house. And I was prepared for that. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'd get so bored. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You would be really bored if you sat around for two weeks. Some people are not made to quiet quit. <laughs> but uh, the quiet quitting, um, I'll just say this. We've definitely heard it as an insult. And there is an assumption. And I will tell you, I have seen it that before this became a term and a thing, uh, you know, trending, if you will, you and I both have probably, I know I have, I've witnessed employees in businesses who are already doing the bare minimum and joking about it. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is a lot of times coworkers have to pick up the slack and all you got to right. do is get it. Yeah. You get and I, that's something else I want to talk about. You know, we both worked at Cracker Barrel at Cracker Barrel. I can't just like decide to take a day off work because that screws over my the rest of the the cooking team you know it's not that the managers who i'm really mad at it's not that they get stuck with it it's my coworkers who like my equals and so i in in situations like that i can't just give up because it doesn't actually well whatever it doesn't actually um like hurt who i really want it to hurt right. it hurts my coworkers and that that's the tricky part and I remember that as well, uh, being a server at Cracker Barrel, that I would get phone calls last minute and say, hey, so-and-so dropped out. Well, we all on the staff knew, all the other servers knew, there was a concert that night this person wanted to go to. Yep. And rather than <laughs> saying, hey, can I have Thursday night off in two weeks, they call out sick. And we knew this was going to happen. Yep. And I would get a call. The only question was, who's going to get called in to fill the shift? I get called in. I'm full-time college student, minister at a church, working on the maintenance crew at Johnson. I'm barely keeping it together, and I will get the call that says, Mike Jones, will you fill in the closing shift tonight? Because they know Mike Jones has a wife and two kids, and he's going to come out here. He's going he's gonna to speed out here in his little red car, yeah. and he's going to do the <laughs> shift. And I would do it. And a part of that is a workaholism issue that it, it would be easier to laugh at if it didn't cause so many health issues and relational issues, but they, that's how it works. The coworkers that do struggle with workaholism or are in desperate financial situations, right, right. they're going to pick up the shifts and it's still going to wreck their lives in a way. Uh, and, and matter of fact, you mentioned management. You said it's not going to hurt who it needs to hurt, right? Because there is, there's irresponsible management and overbearing management and, and unreasonable management. And in another article titled, Is Quiet Quitting Real? by Jim Harder from September 6th of this year, 2022, uh, one of the things they point out as the solution to quiet quitting is first address minister, I'm sorry, for, well, it could be in this case, first address manage, manager engagement. Only one in three managers are engaged at work. Senior leadership needs to reskill managers to win in the new hybrid environment. Yeah. And by new hybrid environment, they're talking about the freedom to work from home. Mm -hmm. And we saw this in the, what was it called last year? The mass resignation? The, the great resignation. The great resignation. Yeah. Okay, this was what it was, is people said, hey, I can work from home, have a healthy breakfast without running out the door, mm -hmm. and work in my pajamas, and it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to sit in traffic, which is not healthy. And so... The big answer, I think one of the big answers that you just pointed out in any scenario, whether it's the eldership board at a church or the uh, managers in the retail or uh, restaurant industry, 
is to be engaged, engaged with the job and engaged with the employees, because uh, one of the leading reasons for the uh, better side of quiet quitting, and that is I want to make better of myself, and this place is just draining me dry and getting me nowhere. On that side of it, one of the big complaints is I don't think my management cares about me. Yeah. I think back to some of the bosses that I've had in the past. It's like, you know, there's some managers at Cracker Barrel that, you know, you're closing up. You got to wipe down all the countertops and stuff. And there's some bosses that'd be like, hey, you, you missed a spot right there. Do that. And so, you know, you'd have to get a new rag and go do it. Or there's some managers who would walk in and say, oh, you missed that. Let me get that for you. And right. it, like, that's a huge difference. Yeah. It's so small, but that's a huge difference. And like, oh, that person actually cares about me. And like they want the best for me, and that's huge. So I, it maybe it comes down to a, a leadership issue that like we need to have better bosses in our business. It so, well, it sounds like we may have even had the same uh, managers, shift managers, because I know possible. I know all yeah. three of the styles. I saw that there. I saw the ones who would already start uh, bussing tables. They'd go out with their own tub and start mm-hmm. bussing tables towards the end when we were getting ready to wrap up in the kitchen. They were a part of what we we're doing. Yeah. I also saw the ones who I'm just going to say pretended they had a bunch of personnel issues to deal with and a bunch of phone numbers. <laughs> and we'd walk by their office and they're playing solitaire on the computer, you know. <laughs> and so you, you, you could see that. And I understand that uh, the manager should have the freedom to trust their staff to do the work. They should. But if we're talking about what should or should not be, uh, it should also be that when you hire somebody, you trust them to do their job well enough that you don't micromanage and force petty issues that that lead to that overbearing micromanagement that leads to the overwhelming um, desire to quit because there's nothing fruitful happening. So I do want to make clear in this podcast that, you know, uh, Drew, uh, Mike and Drew at Mountain View, you know, one of the reasons we can even discuss this uh, is because we, we, are representing Mountain View Church of Christ right now, and we've we shared a pilot podcast with the church leadership team, and we got their full support. And a part of that is because uh, neither of us are, are quiet quitting, and, and neither of us are uh, feeling overwhelmed with petty things. There there is a lot that happens here. There's a lot of uh, uh, last minute things that happen that can be overwhelming and stressful. But we feel the freedom in this leadership team environment to. Um, put our relationship with God first, and if we need a day to breathe, take a day to breathe. And, you know, if we need a day a month or something like that to just breathe and uh, get a mental break, we have the freedom to take care of our families the way we need. Mm-hmm. And that's not true of every small church, and I could tell stories of another time in another podcast about burnout, but in this podcast of Quiet Quitting, I don't. if God called us somewhere else, I don't think we would have the need to quiet quit here. And to be honest, with this kind of church, I think it would get noticed pretty quick if we were dropping the ball on some things. And so I know whoever's listening to this, uh, you might have a completely environment, a different environment than we do. And uh, you know, there, there's some encouragement there here in a minute. But uh, Drew, is there anything else you know related to quiet quitting that would be helpful for somebody struggling with this right now? Yeah, I would say like talking about boundaries. Set those boundaries early on. I remember. Mm. I don't know if you remember this. Um, during my interview here, um, one of the church members was sitting around the table, and he said, Drew, you know, um, ministry takes a lot more than, you know, 30 hours a week. And I was like, well, actually, um, I'm going to try and keep my 30 hours pretty pretty tight. I don't think I'm going to go much over that. 
And I, I was able to be honest about that. And I think he was kind of surprised that I said that, but it's worked out so far, so good so far. So, yes, because that is something that you see is the willingness, the, it seems like a well-motivated willingness to go above and beyond, but that's not always a blessed thing. Right. And that is one thing uh, I, I would say as I was reading some articles and scriptures about the idea of working hard and diligence and keeping your word and, uh, you know, uh, being basically everything that's the opposite of lazy, everything that's the opposite of um, unnecessarily disappointing someone and letting mm-hmm. them down or stealing your salary from a place that's trusting you to do a job. I kept coming across this thought. And that's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. You know, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he gets towards the end, and he's talking about oaths in Matthew chapter 5, 33 through 37, and he sums it up this way. All you need to say, and this is coming from the New New International Version, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one, right? And so to me, that's the... That's the summary of the quiet quitting conversation is not, uh, well, you know, what's the exact level of work and all of that. I I think it is, hey, did you agree to do a job and are you doing that job? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I know even even at this church, every church I've been at, there's this moment where I will acknowledge and say, hey, I have 17 or 20 distinct different tasks I'm doing for this church. I don't just mean an event. I mean, it requires a skill set for counseling, bereavement officiating weddings, officiating funerals, sermons, teaching, and you just start adding to that list. And it's not to say, hey, I need help, although that's sometimes the case. It's for me to say, hey, this is going beyond what you hired me to do. Right. And and there is at some point a joke, ha, 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 well, you know, or as the job description, or as the job changes, or as, as the need arises. And that's funny until... You are having heart conditions at a young age. You don't see your kids grow up. And then <laughs> yeah. it's not funny anymore. Right. Because you just kept getting into it and never were willing to say, hey, let's go and train somebody else to do this. So Matthew 537 is let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And with quiet quitting, if you're going to quit, just say it. Just yeah. It's nasty. It's uncomfortable. It might put you in a vulnerable position, but you say, hey, I am no longer going to agree to do this job, and it will end on the 30 days or 60 days from now. Or, yes, I'm going to do this job, the job we agreed I would do, and I'm not going to do more than that yeah. unless there's a new arrangement. And yeah. we have to be—by by taking on more than what we agreed to do with our yes, we are often preventing other people who are ready to say yes. Yeah saying, here I am, Lord, send me, and they look in the path that God's called them to, and there I am trying to do everything. And they're like, (laughs) well, I guess that need is filled. And I I think often we are preventing discipleship with our workaholism. And I say our, I'm just, you know, me and my experience, I've seen it, and I think it's a problem for anybody who wants to serve in ministry. Yeah, definitely have have the courage to step up and have those conversations. Stand up for yourself in in a kind way. But stand up for yourself and say, hey, this is where I'm at, and, you know, be vulnerable, and, yeah, be courageous about that conversation, and be wise about it. Don't be dumb. That's that's rule one. Don't be dumb. That's don't be dumb. I like any, that. Any youth, anything, you just rule ones, don't be dumb. So, yeah, that's that's really all I got. Do you have anything else? 
Well, I like the great theologian Dwight Schrute from The Office. You know, he <laughs> talked about salesman advice, and he said uh, his his manager, if you've seen it, you know, one of the uh, protagonists, Michael Scott, you know, he says, uh, keep it simple, stupid. And Dwight says, great advice, hurts my feelings every time. And I, I see this in Galatians chapter 6, 9, let us not grow weary in doing good. Now, I'll just say, we'll, we'll end this here. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not grow weary in doing good. And here the Apostle Paul's talking about the, the kind of work it takes to grow the kingdom, to be a godly man or woman in their household or as a single person, as a leader in their community, the, the kind of pressure that can come with doing well. And the trick there, let us not grow weary in doing well, doesn't just mean generate and create energy in your mind and inspire and enthuse, and enthuse yourself. It just means also uh, that sometimes means you're going to prune things off your list so that you don't grow weary, so that there is joy in it, because you're not uh, overloaded. Yeah. You know, what are you called to do? And in, in the, you know, when I was at Cracker Barrel, what I did best was a server. So I didn't do a lot of extra cross training, right? You know, I focused on being a server. I found one area so I could minister best as a server. Uh, here in, in church, uh, my ministry is best in the visitations, and the type of pastoral sermons I try to offer, uh, and I try to fo- I do all the other stuff, but if I've got to say no to some things, I'm pruning off things that don't feed into the strengths and spiritual gifts God gave me. I would say when I was born, and when I was sa- born again, when I was saved. Uh, so just do not grow weary in doing good if you need to. Say no to some good things to say yes to some better things. Yeah, because God will fulfill those needs. Even if it's not through you, and that's okay. That's right. That's right. What the world will not just fall apart. No, you're you're not the center of the world. Oh man, (laughs) man. Sorry. (laughs) No, but that's true. That's a beautiful reminder to remember that that Christ is the head of the church. Yeah. And he's going to get things done, and he needs his whole body. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been Mike and Drew. And we're at Mountain View. <laughs> we're, we're, we are at Mountain View. Mike so, and Drew at Mountain View. Thank you for listening, and we uh, look forward to some more episodes. And uh, if this is shareable, share it. Yeah, we'll make that happen. And eventually we'll have an email set up. Um, we'll let you know when that happens as well. That's right. Okay, we're going we're gonna to land one more time. This has been Mike. And Drew. And we're Mike and Drew at Mountain View. <laughs>